Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Derek Jeter! This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. Breaking news over the weekend, the Major League Baseball Players Association and the commissioner agreed to extend the lockout. It's still happening. We are going to be locked out for an extremely long time. And so Thomas and I are holding on to all the shreds of baseball news and mentions of active players that we can get our hands on. And there were some rumors dropping over the weekend. Seiya Suzuki. The Japanese star who was posted, his posting was paused. Nobody can sign him, but he's still up for grabs. The Yankees and Red Sox and Blue Jays are all eyeing him. So while we may not be the favorites and we may not be the only aggressive team, it is our civic duty to do our due diligence there. Also, Carlos Correa's medicals, a little sketchier than we were told. Brian Cashman doing his charitable business hits a little different this time of year. And why exactly did we sign Garrett Cole? Isn't that the heart of the matter now that you know what the next two years afterwards for the Yankees looked like? Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the pod. No YouTube stream today. YouTube coming back 2 o'clock Eastern time on Thursday. The Monday pod, no video. You cannot look at us. Never look at me. Don't look at us. Thomas, welcome to the pod. Uh, I still miss baseball tremendously. And the Hall of Fame stuff on Sunday really did not give me enough baseball. Truly didn't. Winter meetings, I think, were supposed to be happening in next week. Was it next week or was it this week? I don't know. Either way, it was supposed to be I soon. It. I think it started today. It yeah. would have started today. Yeah, six through the the ninth, I guess. Yeah, would have been fun. It was in uh, would have been in Orlando, I believe. Um, bummer, absolute bummer that we're here. That we have to spin our wheels on potential things that may happen in three months. Well, it happened in three months. Once again, I know the insiders are telling us not to worry about lost games, but I'm going to worry about that for the foreseeable future, um, especially when Manfred dropped the Rob Manfred commissioner of baseball, dropped that letter, essentially calling out the entire players association for their unwillingness to bend. Um, and then he's citing, oh, we spent a billion dollars in contracts, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's like the top 10% of the league getting all that money. And it's literally Scott Boris who's getting all that money, who you're probably best friends with. So it's not solving the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue is um, making sure the middle and lower class of players are somewhat comfortable. It's making sure that, you know, minor leaguers are comfortable, which they they have moved in that direction. Um, but a lot of uh, it seems like systemic problems here that is uh kind of reminiscent of modern day politics, just, you know, two sides battling and it's, it's the upper echelon of both sides and nothing's getting anywhere. And then you just have the bottom feeders trying to figure it out for themselves and just constantly getting angry and pitted against each other. So great. Um, obviously the state of the world is much worse than the state of baseball. At the end of the day, you could not give a shit less hmm. about baseball when you look at the world in a grander scope. Um, but yeah, here we are. Uh, I like the, I like the, what we're hearing about say Suzuki. Um, 
I know that the Red Sox and the Blue Jays are also heavily uh, involved here. My other question is, and it's another valid question that I have that will not get an answer or will not be provided an explanation, but why didn't the Yankees just sign him before the lockout if they liked him so much? Again, another thing that they could just act, act fast on. This was, according to reports, going to be a three to five year commitment in the what eight to a eight million to eleven million dollar range or seven to ten million dollar range, I I don't know what what financials there scare you away if you're serious about acquiring you know a twenty seven year old player who absolutely dominated um, in the uh, uh, Japanese professional league. Um, he's been a professional since he was eighteen years old. Uh, plays all three outfield positions. Hits for power, hits for average, steals some bases. His best uh, season um, came back in 2019. Uh, and this past season, batted 317 with a 1.069 OPS. Good for 77 runs scored, 38 homers, 88 RBI, 9 stolen bases. Um, if you feel this is your guy to take over in center field, then I don't see why you don't pay that cost-effective price. You're essentially paying Aaron Hicks money for uh, a guy who has a much higher ceiling based on the production we've seen out of him in another professional league. Um, and also you look at him and maybe the Yankees use him in left field after 2022 when Joey Gallo uh, inevitably leaves because the Yankees will not be signing him to a contract extension as he's a Boris client. You can expect Scott Boris to, uh, get the absolute most out of there, which he's done for his uh, clients uh, since the beginning of time. You see Marcus Simeon get $175 million this offseason. Corey Seager get $325 million. So that same narrative is going to remain. I view this as a positive. It's not a long commitment. It's not a lot of money per year, and it's a flexibility type thing. And guess what? If you really, really need it, which I hope you really don't, uh, he has experience playing first, short, and third. Uh, wouldn't want to use him there, but you know, the Yankees, they're constantly injured. They constantly need guys filling gaps and, and, uh, absorbing innings. So I, I, why didn't, why did they leave this to now be part of the post lockout rush? Why didn't they just make one move to ease our nerves? Don't know. Instead, Brian Cashman's jumping off buildings and fighting the Grinch. Stay tuned. <laughs> If the first base solution is say a Suzuki and so is the third base solution and so is the left field solution and so is the center field solution that I don't vibe with at all. Um, it's that's not my it's not my ideal offseason. But the more people you get in the outfield mix who can play center field, the better off you are. So that if yes. Aaron Hicks ends up playing 121 extremely positive games and 380 OBP and 17 homers and 255 average, that's wonderful. But that is the upper echelon of Aaron Hicks right now. You can't pencil him in as your starting center fielder unless you have Aaron Judge and Joey Gallo and Seiya Suzuki who can all play center field as well. And Estevan Florial, and you've got, you know, five outfielders, not a left fielder, right fielder, and a center fielder. Then that is something you can play with in the same way that Gio Urshela wasn't your shortstop last year. But when you had to play around, you had him as a shortstop option. Um, you know, I was already eyeing Suzuki. I'm eyeing him more now, considering I now know the Yankees and Sox and Jays are the three most aggressive teams. Now, I'm seeing the Yankees listed first in many of the headlines that are being published about these this trio of finalists. I don't know what that means. I think that's an SEO grab. I don't think that has anything to do with the Yankees. I don't think they're ranking the Yankees' rumored interest, especially because the Yankees were listed first in every Justin Verlander conversation, too, until mm -hmm. they weren't. 
I don't know what it means to see the Yankees listed first. And I'm in fact seeing things that indicate that the Red Sox are hotter on the trail of Suzuki than we are. Uh, Sean McAdams initial report was uh, some people thought that, you know, Haim Bloom wouldn't be denied that he was, you know, making making his pursuit of Suzuki extremely obvious. The Red Sox traded Hunter Renfro at the last minute prior to dipping out of the offseason and joining everybody else in the lockout. That was a curious move that clearly, you know, cleared an outfield spot because I don't think they intend to start Jackie Bradley Jr. out there. They'll rotate him in and they'll absorb the contract. They'll eat money. It's an interesting move. But everybody's immediate next thought was, okay, well, then they'll pursue Kyle Schwarber. Well, maybe they'll pursue Seiya Suzuki now because all the dots are lining up saying that he is a, a clear Red Sox target and they just made room in the outfield for him. That The last thing we saw them do before the curtain fell was making room in the outfield for him. Suzuki also follows the Red Sox on Instagram, doesn't follow any other teams on Instagram. I don't know what that means. I don't think that means he's a Red Sox. I do think that means they showed interest in him and he doesn't know much about the Red Sox organization. And he goes, I'm going to give him a follow. I need to learn more about this team that is extremely (laughs) interested in me. Um, I mean, Mandy Machado's wife followed the Yankees in the yes network like two years ago in December. That meant nothing. That stuff happens all the time. It means it means not zero. It's not meaningless that he follows the Red Sox, but it's not like a boom, boom, print it. He's a Boston Red Sox now. There was an interview with Suzuki uh, that I was checking in on this morning where they basically asked him, what do you know about Major League Baseball? And he said, I play with the Yankees and Marlins and Giants when I play video games. So he knows the Yankees. He knows their vibe. He knows who's on the Yankees. He doesn't know much about the Red Sox. And that's fine. He follows them on Instagram. And if he goes there, it, it wouldn't shock me. But if he goes there, it has nothing to do with the Instagram follow. That being said... That's the final trio. You're going to list the Yankees first. Yankees better show me something here because the Red Sox have made their interest extremely obvious. I doubt that's Suzuki's camp leaking to Sean McAdam trying to drum up the Yankees offer by saying Mm -hmm. the Red Sox are interested. But the Red Sox have a clearer need in the outfield. Suzuki's a corner outfielder more than he is a center fielder. We're trying to wedge him in there because we want to give Aaron Hicks relief. The Red Sox straight up traded away their right fielder, who uh, Hunter Renfro's legacy at Fenway Park will go down as he kicked a ball into the stands in right field during a playoff game and got rewarded for it. And that's basically it. He's another one-year wonder in Fenway Park. Happens all the time. People who aren't very good show up there and hit 35 homers. Red Sox fans extol their virtues for 162 games. And as soon as the season ends, they get traded and Red Sox fans go, and eh, they weren't that good anyway, actually. And they lie to themselves. And they, they admit <laughs> they were lying to you or they lie to themselves. Hunter Renfro, just another one of those guys. Jackie Bradley Jr. was absolutely terrible last year. I'm sure he's going to show up and clutch up at Fenway Park next year. Very frustrating time to be alive. These are the things you think about when the Yankees go a long time without winning a title. I would say that Red Sox Suzuki feels a little more realistic than Yankee Suzuki right now. But like we said, if you're not going to get an everyday center fielder and you don't want to cut bait on Aaron Hicks just yet, get a possible center fielder because you've already got one in left field and you accidentally had to play Aaron Judge out there this year too. And that would give you four plus Floreal. You've got five. The more options you have to play center, the better, especially if you intend on starting the season with Hicks as your quote unquote starting center fielder, which does sound a little bit in between, uh, you know, Bubba Crosby is our center fielder and Aaron Hicks is our center fielder. There's a middle <laughs> ground there. I don't think the Yankees are going to upgrade from Aaron Hicks tremendously. They didn't sign Starling Marte, but I do think they need to find some insurance policies. And Suzuki is a damn good one. Yeah, I would like a nice roving situation like that. For some reason, I read somewhere that he primarily played center field in recent years, but I guess I'm wrong. Um so that was why I was more gung ho on this. Either way, I do like uh, the split because I'm not against Aaron Judge playing center field if he wants to play a little bit there. Joey Gallo, I'd rather there than in left field because it's clear that he has struggles in left field for whatever reason. 
Um, and if they can get a healthy mix of guys uh, getting different looks at other positions and feeling comfortable, um, it's all the better for down the stretch because then you have people who don't uh, feel entirely foreign in a different position. And then you're running into, you know, weird Clint Frazier dives and missing the cutoff man and uh, letting balls bounce in front of you, which we saw at the end of the season with Gallo and Toronto, not stuff that you want. Um, so uh, open to it. Uh, don't really want the Red Sox to get better. Don't think they're really driving the price up because like we said, it's really not that high. Um, but speaking of driving the price down, we could mm. have an issue with Carlos Correa. Don't entirely know what's happening. Uh, this is from Buster only of ESPN talking about uh, a lack of a deal for Correa before the lockout. We always knew that Correa was fine with going through the lockout without a contract, but according to only uh, teams were trying to get more information on his lower back issues. Um, apparently he's been dealing with persistent uh lower back injuries or pain or whatever. Um, and he was getting treatment for it. Um, and teams would, I don't know, I guess they're requesting it from his, his agents. I guess that's the way you go about it. Only didn't really divulge exactly where, um, these teams were, were going to the source. Um, but, uh, they were told that they would have to make a significant offer to Correa quote, um, Mm. before receiving any such information regarding his lower back. So, um, Guys, I don't know how you feel about Correa. I wanted him. I didn't want him. Then I wanted him. I initially viewed he wasn't a fit whatsoever. Then I thought he was the perfect fit. Um, I was initially a Seager guy. uh, And then Yankees problems persisted. They had issues with defense. They had issues with clutch hitting. They had issues with leadership. And then you look over to Correa and you're like, this guy actually kind of possesses all those. So let's shift on over. Let's get Carlos Correa. Not worry about the lefty bat balance. And we'll probably be in good hands, no? Well, guess what? Uh, Correa seems to be the guy we always thought he was. And we let uh, all that other stuff for a moment fall to the wayside because we were willing to sell our souls for winning, just like Hmm. we were with Justin Verlander. I didn't want Justin Verlander. I would have happily taken Justin Verlander, and I convinced myself into it being a good idea for the one year. Um And now that they didn't sign him or I mean, I guess it's in limbo now because the Astros didn't approve that deal. We talked about it uh, last week before the lockout. Um, I don't know if I want this either. And now with this information about his back injury and his camp being uh, oddly shady about it, it, it's kind of par for Correa's course, man. Um, He goes out and he's a trash talker. He's the leader of the trash talkers in Houston. Uh, defiantly defended his team throughout the cheating scandal, defended his teammates for them for whatever reason, uh, talked trash and called out other players who had said stuff about the Astros and their cheating scandal um, constantly. You know, ge- hey, I'm all for it, gesturing to opposing pitchers, bat flips, what have you. Um, and then you have his unsolicited comments on Derek Jeter, uh, this offseason about why he didn't deserve the gold gloves and he's citing defensive runs saved. Um, and now you have this information where they're withholding medical information before offering up a contract, which seems like the definition of bad business. Um, I don't know, but if this is the trail that's going to follow Correa, I kind of want nothing to do with him. Um, I was always a a story, a Trevor story lurking in the shadows supporter as well. Sign him for a bargain ish deal um, and figure it out later if that's what you're going to do. But 
Carlos Correa for 10 years and, you know, larger than Corey Seager's contract with all this baggage. I just don't know anymore, man. Really don't. Maybe if you give Carlos Correa an offer, he finally reveals Jose Altuve's really bad tattoo. <laughs> it's it's worth pondering. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. My Correa thoughts. And I'll also give you his back medical if you want them. Stick around. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to, uh, you know, look, I understand the discomfort some Yankee fans feel surrounding Correa. I certainly feel a degree of discomfort around it. It doesn't feel like winning the way you want to win. But then again, 12 years off of winning a World Series, it's easy to get thirsty. It's either easy to translate that thirst into a deep abiding love for Carlos Correa. It's not all that different from signing Alex Rodriguez. It's not all that different from signing Johnny Damon, especially. That that was uh, much, cl- I mean, 04 to 06 offseason is closer than even 2019 to this offseason. That was really close, uh, you know, flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood, Johnny Damon coming over from the Red Sox, uh, DMX style, a very scary arrival. He cut his hair, he's a different man entirely. That was plundering from a rival much more directly. That was like the Red Sox embarrassed us in 2004, let one year go by, and then we're going to immediately woo their guy. That's the Bubba Crosby as our center fielder. Wait, no wait, it's actually Johnny Damon. Now, there wasn't a lockout in the middle of that. Uh, that, you know, there wasn't a long pause for everybody to reevaluate and get angry and get pissed with the Yankees for not spending the surplus of money in order to improve a roster that clearly needs improvement. Um, a lot of people are talking. I mean, I, I'm even beginning to talk myself into now. OK, how confident am I if the Yankees just return to 2022 with the roster from last year? And the answer is so not confident. Like, don't even trick yourself into having that conversation. Because I saw people the other day posting the wild card game lineup. And they were like, swear to God, if we run into next year with a lineup this terrible, like we're going to be up fourth place for sure. And it's like, first off, yes, that's true. And second off, that lineup had Andrew Velasquez in it. He's gone. That lineup had Anthony Rizzo in it. He's gone. Th- that lineup has Gio Urshela in it. Everybody else in that lineup seems likely to come back. Right? Yeah. yeah. Kyle Agashioka is going to be back. Gary Sanchez is going to start everybody else's games other than Garrett Cole. But if the Yankees run a lineup like this back, so help me God. I mean, what do you mean? They're they're gonna bring seven ninths of that lineup back. Yeah, right. And and right now the shortstop and first base alternatives are far worse than Rizzo and Velasquez. So if you're having some sort of come to Jesus moment where you're like the lineup better not look like this, right now it looks worse. It looks the same in all the worst ways, and it looks worse because we don't even have that first baseman, and we don't even have that shortstop. And we should be able to do better than that shortstop, but uh, Andrelton Simmons isn't it. Andrelton oh. Simmons isn't better. Freddie Galvis chose Japan, okay? Freddie Galvis chose the Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks. So we're getting to the point where you can you can make those cute tweets and say we better not run back a lineup this bad, but right now the lineup is worse. So use that to color your your thoughts and ideas, and, and it's obvious why many of us would welcome Correa. I wouldn't say no to Carlos Correa. No. Now, that being said, this is unsavory. 
a, a, an offer isn't a binding agreement. So you can always submit your offer. And then when the medicals come back, go, hey, boy, I'm out. However, it's obvious they don't want his medicals getting circulated to more teams than actually have to see it. Yeah. If they're if they're restricting the field of distribution to the Yankees and Red Sox and Dodgers and Cubs and Braves, the five teams we know talked to Carlos Correa. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty unethical to share another player's medicals with another team. And I'm sure the Red Sox aren't going to be dialing up the Blue Jays and going, by the way, Correa's back is beefed, FYI. Like, nobody wants him. I don't know why you would do that and give a hat tip to anybody else. If anything, you keep it secret in hopes that your rivals would jump in and try to make a signing. But it's Correa's camp that's like, uh, can we limit the number of teams that see this? Because obviously teams talk, and the more teams that know, the more teams that are going to let it get out. So it's, it's obvious there's something from Correa's end that people don't want an otherwise young and healthy shortstops medical records circulating around Major League Baseball. And the Trevor Story angle of it all – got more interesting to me this week and he's gonna he's gonna get a lot of money mm-hmm. he's gonna get half of what carlos correa gets right yes, at least 350 million to 170 million yeah. he's gonna outdraw javier Baez, who got six years 140 but by that much i mean he's not getting to 200 mil right no. uh, i don't know i don't, I don't know i don't think so uh, uh, so there so. it's it's going to be about half of Correa's money, if not, you know, a little more than half. But that's a that's a significant chunk that you don't have to pay. And then, uh, you know, they finally took a look at Statcast this week for how Story's season in, in Colorado compares with what he would have produced in Yankee Stadium. If he'd played all 162 games at Yankee Stadium, his home run total last year doubles, doubles from 24 to 48. Carlos Correa's goes up to 37. That's wonderful. And he's not going to be playing all of his games at Yankee Stadium. And 48 homers is not a realistic target for story. No. But they showed some of the home home line drives at Coors Field that didn't get out of Coors Field. The home yeah. run haven that would have gotten out of Yankee Stadium. 24 to 48 is significant. I know 48's not real. If we could play all 162 home games at Yankee Stadium, boy, oh boy, I'd sign up for that. That'd be amazing. Uh, no road games. Yippee. Yippee Kaye. What, what a year that would be. But 24 to 48, I mean, even 81 home games at Yankee Stadium, to learn that 81 home games at Yankee Stadium would benefit someone who came from Colorado by that factor, I mean, that is something to consider. Totally. I, I And look, I'm not even, I'm still not ruling out a large short-term deal for Trevor Story if he wanted to, uh, if he wanted to, you know, kind of rebuild his value and get out on the market next year and be the, the top shorts up unquestionably. Um, dude, Trevor story. I was looking at this before he finished fourth in rookie of the year voting back in, uh, what was it? 2016. He had 27 bombs, 72 RBI and a nine Oh nine OPS. He had Kent Maeda finish ahead of him. Trey Turner and Corey Seager wild, wild world. Um, has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I just remember looking at that. Good um, baseball players. Yeah. So, uh, you look at story too. And, um, th- this is, th- this is the issue that I have with the remaining shortstops. Cause you have story who's going to want you, you would think wants security, right? He he's played six years in major league baseball. He's been very good. I don't know why there's a lot of like injury proneness attached to him. He's played in his rookie year, came up late, played in 97 games, uh, uh, 2017, 145 games, 2018, all-star 157 games, 2019, all-star 145 games, 2020, 59 out of 60 games, 2021, 142 out of 162 games. So I don't know where that label comes from. And the man hits home runs. He gets a ton of RBIs. He steals bases. He hits for average. 
Um, and he scores runs. So the only issue here, I guess you could nitpick is his OPS plus, which is uh, park adjusted. Uh, it, it stands at a one twelve for his career, um, which is, you know, we'd call that uh, you'd call that slightly above average, right? I mean, that's better than 12% of the qualified hitters or mm-hmm. people, people who qualify for the, for the 100 mark. Um, but I mean, it depends. It also depends how you look at it. Like this is a five tool guy. Carlos Cray is not a five tool guy, but then again, anyway, the main point that I'm trying to make to segue into the whole Cole thing that we wanted to talk about was what indication do you have that the Yankees are going to spend big on a shortstop? So if we're going to talk about story who likely wants this security and why would he not? Because he's entering his age 29 season. And if he's getting secure, if Javi Baez is getting the security that he got, there's no reason Trevor story shouldn't. And same with Marcus Simeon, Marcus Simeon, great ball player, but literally two and a half good years of baseball from Marcus Simeon, who is 31 years old. Um, that he, he, God bless the guy bet on himself, went with the one year deal with Toronto and absolutely mashed gold glove. MVP finalist deserves the money. But if you're Trevor story going to the negotiating table, you're like, dude, I had six, like mostly really good years of major league baseball. When you combine them all together and I am, uh, I'm a gold glove caliber caliber fielder, even though he's, he's, he's at least a silver slugger. So why are the Yankee? Why do you think the Yankees are either going to give out the biggest contract of the offseason to any player in Carlos Correa? Because that's at this point what we can assume will happen. Or why Definitely. would you or why would you think the Yankees would quote? And I'm not saying this is an overspend, but quote overspend on a guy like Trevor Story, who is coming off a down year and wants the security of the other shortstops from this class that he didn't quite um, match up to in this past season. So that if you're a team, if you're a cheap ass team, like most of these teams are, they're going to view that and be like, oh, well, we're paying, you know, why are we paying the same market price for a guy like Marcus Simeon and Javier Baez for a guy like Trevor Story, who clearly had a dent like baseball, like every other sport, but especially baseball is what have you done for me lately? Your trade value can skyrocket in a month. And then you could be dog shit the next year and it doesn't matter. You could be dog shit for four years, have two good years before your contract year. Then here comes $150 million. We know how the system works. So now story is on the opposite end of that spectrum. So I don't understand why any Yankees fans would think, hey, $350 million to Correa. Why would they not do that? Or, you know, $175 million to story. Why would they not do that? I know exactly why they wouldn't do that because today I was researching Giancarlo Stan's contract and back in 2017, Hal Steinbrenner's goal was to reset the luxury tax and start all over again. So I know he's done that this time around. Um, but in this situation, you can see that there's a cycle that the Yankees are trying to exploit here. And I just don't know if dishing out two, two of these one, one of these contracts, which are going to be sizable is in their best interest for whatever they view as the best possible plan moving forward, especially when you consider they have to save up for judge. So I don't know where Yankees fans are getting this inclination that, Oh yeah, story and Cray are left. Yeah. We'll get one of them. I just don't, I don't, am I, I think that they might do something creative here. Like I said, I think a one or two year massive deal for story for him to rebuild his market and hit free agency. Again, I think that could be beneficial for him. Um, But generally I just don't see why people would like, just snap of the finger, be like, oh, yeah, no, one of those guys, they're coming to town. We'll get them. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I understand nothing. Uh, and perhaps that means it's time 
for our new segment, the Brian Cashman dressed as an elf fighting the Grinch on a building update. What the <laughs> fuck was Brian Cashman dressed like an elf fighting the Grinch on the side of a building about? That was our Brian Cashman fighting a Grinch dressed like an elf on the side of a building update. Because that's what we're left with. Uh, we are just left with odd mood board moments of like, no baseball. You can't ask Yankees executives questions about anything. They must stay mum on all all aspects of the world, except, oh, they did hire a hitting coach uh, <laughs> on Friday. How were they, they allowed voted- to do that? I didn't know they were allowed to do that either. They're, they're even saying that they're crossing the T's and dotting their I's on the rest of the major league coaching staff. But Cashman's not allowed to, to comment on anything. So you they still, here's my question. If Brian Cashman's not allowed to comment on anything, anything. Like they asked him about Seiya Suzuki and he said, I am not allowed to comment on that. Very riveting quote. Um, if he's not allowed to comment on anything and, and transactions and there's a transaction freeze, why are we still sending reporters to Brian Cashman repelling a building to fight the Grinch in costume? What does that do other than slap me in the face and remind me that like, oh yeah, my GM didn't do anything, but he is in fact climbing a building dressed like an elf. Like, thanks for the video footage. But as soon as you got some time alone with Brian Cashman, he was like, I I wish I could speak about sports, but I can't. Would you like to ask me about my elf costume? So like, why? Why did I see any of that? It's PR for the charity. And it's funny, like, why... Like, I get, am I really going to call out charity right now? Is this what it's come to? Is this the Yankees? You <laughs> yeah. F you charity. For <laughs> why, <Christmas>. does, <laughs> why does Brian Cashman have to rappel down a building and fight the Grinch for charity? Why does he have to sleep in 30 degree weather on the concrete in a sleeping bag? The Yankees are five billion fucking dollars worth that much money. Why don't you just like end like hunger in the Bronx or something? Can't you just <laughs> do that instead? Grinch. Yeah, have him fight the Grinch on ground level. We don't need to send him into the air to fight the Grinch. <laughs> Just like donate to like Bronx schools that we very much know are impoverished or underserved or, you know, donate money to the housing projects that clearly need uh, 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 some sort of restructuring. We don't you're not sending a message to anybody by doing this. It's It's been an embarrassment for the most part. And not for like, I don't care. I'm glad. Hey, do charity feel good about yourself. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at it, it's weird. It doesn't make any sense. And the Yankees are worth $5 billion and have the power to do, you know, uh, a, a lot of things that that most people cannot do, that most countries cannot do. So <laughs> it'd be just it'd be nice if we could maybe just throw money at the problem, which is which is not a way to neglect it. It's actually good. A lot of people need money. So it's not like you're just trying to shut somebody up by tossing money at them. You're actually, you know, creating opportunity by throwing money at it. And let's end the charade of sleeping on a, on, you know, 67th street and first Avenue for no reason. Um, and yeah, it's Mark McGuire, it's Mark McGuire on the Simpsons doing uh, would you like to know the terrifying truth about the U S government? Or would you like to watch me hit some dingers? It's like, <laughs> would you schools or would you like to watch me float in the air and fight the Grinch? I think, you know, the answer. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it just looks all the more ridiculous at this time of year. And this year in particular, when there is a labor fight and there are so many needs in the Bronx, I'm sure we could accomplish the same thing without all the theatrics. Isn't that what the Yankees are all about though? The, the theatrics are part of it. Like they, they don't accomplish as much as we want them to. Did I just turn Brian Cashman fighting the Grinch dressed as an elf into a metaphor for the Yankee spending? I think that I did. Um, and so with that transition, let's, let's just end this on a note of why, why did we sign Garrett Cole 
if we weren't going to do all of the other requisite things to make the coal signing impactful over the two years that followed. Because it's now been two years Mm -hmm. since we got Garrett Cole to agree to a much needed contract to serve as the Yankees ace. All of us, even the most cynical about Cole's peak and about spider tag, can agree that his presence is necessary and was extremely necessary at the end of the 2019 season. He was stolen from your chief rival. He filled your biggest need. He set you up to compete as the favorite in the American League, presumably in 2020, 2021, and 2022. Now, in 2020, they got screwed by a shortened season. Everything looked different than we wanted it to, and we understand that. But that offseason included a Brett Gardner signing. The next offseason included bargain basement, too much money on Corey Kluber, a Jameson Tyone reclamation project, and more Brett Gardner. This offseason to date has included nothing. Isn't it time we hold the Yankees' feet to the fire and say, if you were going to sign Garrett Cole, the correct move, why have you done nothing in the aftermath but bring in reclamation projects and extend DJ LeMayhew in part because the fans begged you to? Yeah. I I mean, look, it, it, to me, it's a situation that's a, a, it's too little too late. Once again, I know they tried it to trade. Uh, they tried it. Um, this hmm. is what they're doing to me. They tried, tried to, they, they tried to trade for Cole. It didn't work out. He went to the Astros. So that was their attempt. In reality, the Yankees needed to sign somebody after the 2017 season when it was clear that Aaron judge was a franchise cornerstone with his MVP runner up finish. Um, uh, I know that they uh, Tanaka ended up opting back into his contract after that. Um, and I know that uh, they, they, they attempted to make some, some trades and the free agent market wasn't exactly plentiful with starters, um, but it was just classic. It, it was classic to a, a too late moment from this team um, which just always feels like it's the case. Um, that free agent year, you Darvish was the top, uh, was the top free agent. Um, and you, I'm, I'm sure you can make an argument uh, about him signing with the Yankees or not. I don't know how that would have turned out. Um, would I entirely endorse it? Uh, I don't know. Um, but then you go to the next off season and you have a guy like Bryce Harper available. Who's like really good. And you have Manny Machado who's really good. And you have Patrick Corbin who could have been good for you for two years. And you have Dallas Keuchel. Who's even like fine. Like I'd take Dallas Keuchel in the rotation. Um, Nathan, you have all the re-signed, but the Red Sox, uh, like there, there were plenty of, uh, Kikuchi signed with, uh, the, uh, uh, the Mariners, um, so th- there was opportunity there that Charlie Morton was a free agent. Once again, we'll keep talking about that. So yeah. there, there were other opportunities to at least help the rotation in the meantime, which either could have paved the way for Cole joining a rotation that was kind of, you know, uh, fleshed out around him. Um, or they could have just built a rotation and then maybe not spent all that money on Garrett Cole, even though they probably would have anyway. I still support spending the money on Garrett Cole. They had no choice. It was it was the only move they could have made. They were backed into a corner. They hadn't had an ace in almost in almost 10 years. Um, not my money. And also the organization should not be using money as an excuse, even if they did overbid themselves, whatever it was, $80 million. Um, so that's why the last couple of years, you're just like, all right, why'd we spend? You thought the offense was going to be the exact same from 2017 to 2019. Uh, you thought that there would be no regressions. You thought there would be no issue with moving uh, Glaber Torres to second uh, to a uh, shortstop. Um, you thought there would be no injury issues with Luke Voigt, even though that was clear as day that that was going to be the case because he's injury prone. Um, 
I, I just don't know. It, it's weird stuff. And like, if they're, if this is where they're going to, if this is where they're going to stop the spending and use Stanton's deal and Cole's deal uh, as a reason to tell us they're not cheap, even though, even though we know they're not cheap, they're just not being as ruthless as they should be given the power that they are. Then I don't know what the point of signing Garrett Cole was, was, is it cool to just have fans in the seats and have a high paid ACE pitcher and not really have anybody backing him up? Um, depending on how you view the rest of the rotation, rest of the rotation solid. We just don't know what to expect that in Esther Cortez, um, Jordan Montgomery. I think he's good, but I don't think he, I think he maxes out at a number three, um, Jamison Tyone, another injury prone guy who is solid, not really, he's not great. He's not tremendous. Um, and then they think, uh, you know, a signing like Corey Kluber is enough to supplement it. Then you think, uh, 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 Justin Verlander coming off Tommy John and throwing six innings in two years is good enough to supplement it. Um, I know the sunny gray trade blew up. I know they misused Lance Lynn. I know other stuff happened and, and it was disappointing when they re- they, they signed Jay Happ to that extension. Um, so a lot of stuff happened and they were clearly trying, but it just, it just didn't, none of it lined up. And now it feels like, okay, you got the ACE that you needed, but that you also needed for like seven years prior. And then now you're not doing much to supplement it. And you're using, you know, other contracts that you brought aboard or money that you need to save up for in-house guys. And it just doesn't, it doesn't match up with what this team needs to do to actually win a world series. If that's the ultimate goal, which might not be the ultimate goal. Maybe the organization just wants to make money back from COVID and they don't care. I don't, I don't know. Um, they continue to say they're committed to, you know, going for a world series yet, but we're seeing them outspent in the early going by bottom barrel teams. Um, and now they're going to put themselves in a position where they're going to have to rush and, you know, for a metaphor, Christmas shop on the night of Christmas Eve um, to try to get all their ducks in a row and everything in place. And it just doesn't seem like that's going to be a good formula when you have a million other people and contenders popping into that pool to try and make up for the time lost um, that they that they also suffered from. So I don't know. I, 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 I don't know anything about this team, really. It's just me questioning it all the time. Yeah, everybody wants a turbo, man. So just saying <laughs> that you're, you know, Eve or after the lockout ends and you'll have the pick of the litter it's well, so does every other team and the Red Sox and Rays and Astros and Dodgers have all proven themselves smarter and more aggressive in the last two years so why should we believe you Garrett Cole was a nice start but here we are two years later almost one and only piece in that puzzle everything else has been a reclamation or an unexpected emergence or you know Matt Blake working his magic but there hasn't been a slam dunk cut and dry yes there it is free agent signing since Garrett Cole. And I understand that sounds like Yankee fans begging and it sounds like Yankee fans being greedy. Okay, what's next? Garrett Cole, we signed the biggest days on the market. What comes next, sir? Please let us know, sir. Thank you. But the Mets did fill three separate needs on a weekend and then sign Max Scherzer. It is possible. Other teams act like this. You don't have to act like this every year. You act like this once every two or three years and you'll fix a lot of your problems. That's it. That's all we're saying. That is enough. For this Monday edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, thanks for coming out. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. Where can the people find you? I am at at Tommy's underscore takes. Having a great time on Twitter nowadays. Uh, you can also find us on yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there for you. Plenty of lockout um, and off-season ideas we got coming, connecting the dots, having some fun with it all. 
You can also talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Um, we're there most days. Uh, we want to hear what you have to say. We want to know what other things we could talk about because uh, it's going to be a long time uh, over these next few months of coming up with topics, trying to figure out what the Yankees are going to do. And we got to keep it fresh. We can't go stale. We can't go silent. It won't make it fun. We got to keep, we got to remain engaged um, and try to come up with some best case scenarios for what's going to happen because everybody is collectively nervous in a sense and we understand it. So we want to hear more from you. That's the moral of the story. Let's hear more from you. <laughs> we understand it and we will see you again on Thursday. Take care, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.